Take your Bibles with me this morning. Take your Bibles with me this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 6 within God's Word. Matthew chapter 6 within God's Word this morning. Praise the Lord. Can I do something impromptu here this morning? I want to take a survey real quick this morning. I want to take a survey real quick this morning. Uh, Respond to me in this survey by saying either your best amen or your best boo. Can you do that for me? Are you ready? Here you go. How would you respond to these statements? Tomorrow morning, your boss tells you, don't bother taking off your coat. Your services are no longer needed. You're fired. I had one amen out there. Okay, next survey response. The IRS notifies you that they want to check all of your finances going back seven years in seven years of audits. The person sitting next to you right now wants to give you $50. The person sitting next to you right now wants you to give them $50. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, you're informed that you're in line for a big promotion, a big raise, even a bonus. You and your wife, you and your husband go to the Builder Show and you win your dream house. Your friends have just given you a trip that they couldn't go on, an all-expense-paid trip to Hawaii. Okay. Your attorney, an attorney notifies you that a distant relative has died and left you $10 million. Some are having a spiritual experience out there. The person sitting next to you is just itching to give you a hundred dollars right now. Hey, would you agree with me? Money is a fun topic. The the earning, uh, the spending, the savings, the management of money affects all of life. You can't get away from it. Most of our culture revolves around money. I mean, the next time you see a TV commercial, what's at the root of that? They want your money. Duh. That progressive girl and that progressive insurance, they want your money. I don't care how sweet they are. Sure. Some spend every waking moment worrying about... Sure. It's a known fact that financial security can, can, can mean the difference between a happy and an unhappy home. 98%, 98% of all family discord is traced to money problems. Nine out of 10, nine out of 10 divorces traced to money issues. Think about it. Most of my marital counseling at the root, marital discord all due to money. Probably uh, as I'm ministering uh, to young adults and young marrieds, probably the chief concern that I hear over and over and over echoed to me is worry about finance, worry about money. Yet, despite the fact that money so dominates our lives, 
despite the fact that wise money management is taught throughout the Bible, the Word of God, despite the fact that Jesus gave 38 parables and 16 out of the 38 dealt with money management, despite the fact that the New Testament teaches more about money than it does prayer five times more, despite the fact that Jesus taught more about money management than he did heaven and hell combined. Much of today's church culture has made the preaching on money taboo within worship services. Many of my friends who are pastors and preachers are afraid to even discuss the subject with their congregations. I'm sorry, I'm not one of those pastors. Why? Because I'm accountable to God. Why? Because I'm called to preach the entire Word of God. Why? It's impossible to preach the Gospel without discussing stewardship, wise money management, divine prosperity. Do you hear me in this? I'd be a poor pastor if I kept the best kept secret on prosperity from you. If I was uh, an acquaintance of yours, a friend of yours, and I had a tip on a zero-risk investment, a zero-risk investment that would reap the highest return imaginable and kept that from you, what kind of a friend would I be? I'd be a pretty poor pastor if I didn't share with you the wisest financial advice, success, advice that I could possibly share. And it's found throughout God's Word. Turn with me to Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves, Jesus said, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here, Jesus, note, presents two financial strategies. He presents two lifestyles. He presents two eternal outcomes. He presents two plans. Two plans. But there's only one plan that you can follow in life. You're either subscribing to the devil's poverty plan, or you're following, you're following, you're following God's blessing plan. The question that I want to pose this morning throughout this message is, which plan are you following? Which plan are you following? Father, grant us, grant us, grant us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive what your word abundantly reveals this morning. In the name of Jesus, Lord, bless, anoint your word as it goes forth for your honor and glory's sake. Amen and amen. God's blessing plan. Write it down with me if you want to follow along. Enjoying God's blessing plan starts with defeating the poverty mindset. Yes, some Christians have inherited both a poverty mentality and a lousy theology. It goes something like this. Well, you know, Jesus was poor. 
I'm poor, therefore I'm like Jesus. I'm super spiritual because I'm poor. Couldn't be more further from the truth. It underscores biblical ignorance. Jesus had a house in Capernaum. The Bible records it. Jesus had a designer robe that was so valuable that the Roman soldiers gambled for it at the cross of Calvary. Jesus and his disciples had such a, a, a great, prosperous ministry. The Bible records they had to carry around a money box to keep all of their finances in it. And Jesus had to appoint a, a, a treasurer to, to be in charge of it. Wasn't the greatest treasurer in the world. But Judas was in charge of the money box. God's word declares. To say that Jesus was poor is biblical ignorance. It's absolutely uh, wrong. Jesus, both then and now, is king of a kingdom that rules all that there is, the entire universe. Know that you know that. The difference between living a life of prosperity and a life of poverty is a matter of choice, according to the Bible. Moses said in Deuteronomy 30, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. How will you choose? Prosperity is a choice. And God's children have historically been prosperous. Check out your Bible. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Check out your Bible. Esther, Daniel, Job. I could go on and on. How about New Testament? Barnabas, uh, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, Lydia, Philemon. These were all very prosperous believers and children of God within the Word of God. That's right. Solomon said it in Ecclesiastes 5.19, As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, this is the gift of who? God. Jesus doesn't care how many nice things you have as long as those things don't own you. It's okay to have wealth. It's okay to have prosperity. It's okay to have nice things as long as you master them and they don't master you. You hear me in this. If prosperity is such a negative thing, if it's such a sinful thing, then why do I read what I read in Revelation 5.12? What does the Father give His Son? Revelation 5.12, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive what? Power and what? Wealth and wisdom and strength and honor, glory and praise. Of the seven things that God blesses His Son with, one of them is riches, wealth. Be aware of that. It's vital to realize the difference between divine prosperity and the world's idea of prosperity. I want it to be abundantly clear. I want it to be abundantly clear. I look in the video camera right now. I want us to be abundantly clear. This pastor, this preacher, is not preaching as some prosperity teachers and preachers proclaim that God wants everybody to be a zillionaire. 
I heard of one just this past week that's uh, wanting his congregation to give him a $65 million jet airplane. Okay? No, we're not going there. Understand there's a difference between divine prosperity and the world's idea of riches, success, and prosperity. Any Christian teaching on prosperity promoting the world's idea that everybody is to be a zillionaire uh, is unbiblical and false teaching. This is what James the Apostle corrected in James 4.3. James said, when you ask, you don't receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. What are the wrong motives? That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Does God want to bless us? Does God want to prosper us? Does God want to shower us with divine favor? God wants to bless you so that you'll be a blessing. There's the difference. Not that you, that you eat your seed, that you may plant your seed and reap a great harvest, and then in turn plant a greater harvest and be able to have more seed. Praise the Lord. We're blessed to be a blessing. Money can buy you a palace, but it can never buy you a home or a family that's marked with love and respect. Money can buy you a solid gold bed, but it can't give you one moment of inner peace. Money can buy you a hospital and a legion of doctors, but it can't buy you one day of wholesome health from the divine healer of healers. Money can buy you a, a diamond-studded gold crucifix hanging around your neck, but money cannot buy you a savior to save your soul so that you may spend eternity with him in heaven forever and evermore. Hallelujah! What a savior we have. Amen! The Bible, the Bible re reveals two main qualifiers for God's blessing plan. First, first, the first qualifier, you must become his child. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot receive blessing without first becoming a child of God. How much does God own? How much does God have in his bank account? Huh? How much is his net worth. Let's turn to God's word. Haggai 2.8 The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The psalmist said, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. Acts chapter 7 Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. How much does God own? He owns it all. All of it's His. We come into this world with nothing, and we leave this world with nothing. Unless you're a child of God, then you have a divine inheritance on the other side of the Jordan River. You've got a mansion over the hilltop. Hallelujah. Amen. All that we have and all that we are we, is God's. We own nothing. All the trillions and trillions of dollars of worth of resources on this planet and all the other ones owned by God. His abundance is so unimaginable. His prosperity, his net worth is so inconceivable. We cannot wrap our minds 
round about it, to qualify, to receive blessings from his abundance, you first must become a child of the king. You see, there's only two families in this life. I said there's only two families in this life. You're either a child of God or you're a child of, of Satan. If you don't believe me, check out John chapter 8. Jesus spends the whole chapter telling the religious leaders of his day, he said, you are not the children of Abraham. You're the children of the devil. Your father. Jesus was a real, you know, I'm okay, you're okay, positive thinking preacher, wasn't he? <laughs> Your father's the devil. That's right. There's only two families that you can belong to. You're either a part of God's family or the devil's family. Hear me in this if you're not right with God this morning. You're under a curse. My heart breaks for you. Get adopted. Get adopted into God's family through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Now, how has the Father, how has our Father, God, promised to take care of His children? Oh, David had it well. Psalms 37. David said, uh, I, I, I've been young and now I'm old and I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children, his descendants, begging for bread. When God is your father, all of his wealth belongs to you. It's survey time. When God is your father, all of his wealth belongs to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans, look at what Romans chapter 8. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with who? Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. What does it mean to be a co-heir? A joint heir. Does that mean you split 50-50 with Jesus? Jesus gets 50 and you get 50? When you're a co-heir... It means that you get all that Jesus gets. Wow! Let me say it backwards. Wow! Come on, church! You can't beat that! We're joint heirs with Christ Jesus, our Lord. When you're adopted into God's family, you become a king's kid. Amen! All that Jesus has, we receive. All that I have is His. At the cross, we brought our poverty, and He gave us the riches of His grace. At the cross, we brought our sickness and our hurts, and He gave us health and wholeness. At the cross, uh, we gave Him our sin, and He gave us forgiveness and cleansing. At the cross, we gave Him our rejection, and He made us children of the King. Hallelujah. The Bible, mark it down, is filled with God's promises to prosper His children. I gave them to you in your handout, and they're just a smattering. Uh, 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 there's not a big enough piece of paper to give. I'd have to give you a book. I, I might as well just give you the Bible. There are so many promises. 
The Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's take a stab at it though. The Bible's filled with God's promises to prosper his children. Deuteronomy 8.18, remember the Lord your God. It's he who gives you power to get wealth. Joshua 1.8, keep this book of the law. Be careful in everything you do that's written in it. You will be prosperous and successful. Psalms 1, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Whatever they do prospers. Psalms 35, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Proverbs 8.21, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. Proverbs 3.9, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. Uh, Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. He adds no sorrow with it. Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 7, 11, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Mark 10, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, Anyone who's left family and fields for me and the gospel will, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life Philippians 4:19 and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus Third John 2, Beloved, I pray you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul what prospers I dare you to find anything in God's word where God promises poverty and pain and wishes ill will into your life and my life. It's not there. But you will find over and over and over and over again, God wants to promote you. God wants to bless you. God wants to shower divine favor on you. God wants to bring prosperity in your life. And we're talking about divine prosperity. Pastor stood before his congregation and said, Congregation, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is that we have all the money that we need to fund all of our ministries, to pay all of our operational expenses, to be able to fund all of our outreach programs for the next year. In fact, we have all the money we need for our missionaries and our missions, our building program. Glory to God, it's good news. The bad news is it's still in your pockets. It's still in your pockets. God doesn't have any trouble getting money to us. It's getting money through us. That's why so many uh, uh, saints, that's why so many Christians are not growing. You're not growing spiritually. You're not growing financially. You're not growing because you're not sowing. You're walking in fear. You're walking in unbelief. God has promised to bless. God has promised to meet your needs. God has promised to be your Father who goes before you and opens up doors and moves mountains. But you're not acting upon the most elementary basics, the ABCs of following the Lord in this matter of giving.
God doesn't have any trouble getting money to us. It's getting it through us. God wants to bless you to be a blessing. God des desires to prosper us, to feed our greeds? No. God desires to prosper us because the gospel cannot be preached, pastors cannot pastor, churches cannot be built, missionaries cannot be sent without financial prosperity. We are called to sow seed. We are called to, to plant seed and then to believe for harvest. God will meet all of your needs and more out of the harvest. And then with the harvest abundance, churches will be built. Pastors can pastor. Missionaries can be sent. God will give you, God will give you abundance that you cannot even contain if you will invest in winning souls. The number one top priority for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number five, God's other qualifier then, his blessing plan for receiving his favor, prosperity, and financial harvest is tithing. Has always been and it has always will be. I'm so thankful here at Lakeside Assembly of God that when a pastor preaches, when your pastor preaches about tithing, it doesn't get stone quiet. But pastor hears amens. There might even be some clapping every now and then too. Because tithing is the most wonderful worship experience that we can enter into. I love our music. I love our praise songs. I love lifting my hands unto the Lord. But let's get back to what the Bible teaches, that tithing and the giving of offerings is a form of great worship that is greatly pleasing unto the Lord. Think about it. Your tithe and your offerings represents your skills, your effort, your energy, your labor, your opportunity. It really represents all of your life. You are giving a part of you. You are giving the dedicated part of you, the consecrated self unto the Lord through the Lord's tithe. It is great incense, the Bible says. It is great worship unto the Lord. Tithes and offerings. Amen. A, a powerful new insight that I have gained in the past year is the parallel that we see throughout the Bible between sowing and reaping, planting and harvest, and how time and time again the prophets, Jesus, and the apostles compare it to giving. You're kind of looking at me, say what? God constantly throughout the Bible compares farming planting and reaping, to tithing and the giving of offerings. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Paul says, remember this, whoever so, 2 Corinthians, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's not my word. That's God's word to you this morning. That's God's guarantee. How about this familiar verse in Galatians? Whatever a man sows, that he will also what? Read the chapter. It's all about giving. Amen. How about this one from Jesus? Give. It'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, 
and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. There Jesus was talking about the custom of pouring grain as they would do into a person's lap, an apron, and it would fill up and run over. Again, the law of sowing and reaping and harvest. There, we see it with Jesus and the apostles and the prophets. Yes. The tithe is not a debt that we owe. The tithe is a seed that we sow. Oh, you've got it too. And again, we can't get away from it. Malachi chapter 3 is probably the greatest teaching on the blessing and the promises of tithes and offerings. I'm going to focus on tithing because that's the great need here at Lakeside Assembly of God. Is it the great need because we're in trouble? No, no, no. We're blessed. We had the greatest year ever last year. I'm preaching on tithing because you need to tithe more than Lakeside needs your tithe. It's the greatest financial advice that I could ever give you. It's the greatest blessing that you'll ever receive. Consistent tithing. Listen to what Malachi uh, said through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a people that had stopped planting. They had stopped sowing seed. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, saith the Lord, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into where? The storehouse. What's the storehouse? Lakeside Assembly of God, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine uh, fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. God here answers every question that we would ever have about giving and blessing. Note here, what's the tithe? What's the tithe? Somebody tell me, what's the tithe? It's not 10%. It's the first tenth. That's important to remember. I've had people look me in the eye and say, I pay all my bills first, and then if there's anything left over, then I tithe. You don't like leftovers, neither does God. Okay, the tithe is the first tenth. Test and see that the Lord is good in this. And watch how the giving of the 10% will amplify and multiply the 90%. Sure, real good. Uh, where is the tithe supposed to go? To the church. It's where you have made a church, your church. Jesus taught us to plant God's seed into good ground. I'm here this morning to tell you that after 29 years of pastoring this church, Lakeside is good soil. It's proven soil. It's good ground. Out of this church, 
out of the sacrificial giving of this church, there are pastors and missionaries around the world that have been discipled in this church. And they're preaching the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ because of the good soil of Lakeside Assembly of God. When you plant good seed, God's seed, into good soil, Jesus promised multiplication. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's only one place in the Bible that God says, test me, prove me, try me. It's right here in this passage. The Lord says to those that are non-tithers, step out in obedience. Because it's not even faith. It's sheer obedience. If you're not tithing, you're in rebellion against God. If you're not tithing, you're on God's wanted poster. If you're not tithing, you're robbing God. Our head usher, where's our head usher? Run down here real quick. Run down. Run. I mean, someday I'm going to dress as sharp as my head usher. Get down here, James. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, this man, he means so much to me. He is so faithful. And I have given James orders that there's not to be one usher that receives your offerings, that it's a non-tither. I will only allow ushers who are tithers to pass the offering bag. Why? Non-tithers are robbers. Amen. Protect our offering time. Amen. That's it. That's it. I don't, want, I don't want anybody robbing your tithe. That's right. Look at what, look what this passage says. What are the blessings of, uh, of being consistent in tithes and offerings? What are the blessings? Look at it there. God says, I'll open up the windows of heaven. You'll see other translations correctly translate that expression, windows of heaven, into floodgates of heaven. It's the same Hebrew term that is used when the floods came down. And God opened up the windows of heaven and destroyed the world with a flood. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't mind being blessed with a flood of blessings. I wouldn't mind being blessed with God's abundance through the floodgates. I don't know about you, I enjoy having a flood of divine prosperity in my life. Again, money is limited. God's prosperity is unlimited. Money can only buy things. Divine prosperity is joy, peace, health, love, respect, blessings in the home, blessings in the field, opportunity, creativity, ideas, a new brainstorm on how to do things, walking in divine favor and knowing that the best is yet to come. Streets of gold, mansion over the hilltop, and I get to see God face to face. Do you hear me in this? floodgates, the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Why would anyone want to live under a curse? I want to live under blessing. If you're a tither, you can expect divine favor. That's not my word. That's based upon the word of the Lord. You can expect it. Look for it. You'll never be in need. 
God will always supply your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you are a tither, you can look at your mountain and say, be moved in the name of Jesus. Because you're walking under divine favor. You're walking in divine blessing. This is the word of the Lord. If you are a tither and you're walking under God's blessing, you're a child of God, the Lord will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Who's the devourer? The devil. Jesus said the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What does he want to steal? He wants to steal your health. What does he want to steal? Your personal income. What does he want to destroy? All your joy. He wants to move you into depression and poverty. He wants to rob you of everything that you are and everything that you have. The Lord will rise up for the tither. The Lord will rise up for the one walking under divine favor, divine prosperity, and he will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. That's personal income protection. That's divine life insurance. That's divine health insurance. That's divine favor insurance. Now, who wouldn't want that? Do you hear me in this church? Come on. If I was to sit down with a young adult, if I was to sit down with a young married couple starting out, I mean this frankly, as the most practical advice that I would give them in wise financial money man management, the first 10%, give it to God. The second 10%, put it in savings and live off the 80%. If you can't live off the 80%, you're living above your means. Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. Mathematically, I can't figure it out. Mathematically, I cannot calculate how giving 10% away leaves me with more than 100%. But then I've never been able to figure out how black cows eat green grass and, and, and produce uh, white milk and yellow butter, but I, I haven't stopped eating it because I can't figure it out. I know it works. I know black cows uh, eating green grass, producing white milk. It works. I know tithing works. Uh, my wife and I, we're, we're examples of it. We have never been late on a bill. We've never missed a bill. God has always met our need, even in times like this, where I got a daughter going to a school, $32,000 a year. Okay? I know what it's like saving for retirement. I know what it's like paying all the bills at the end of the month, and it seems like there's not going to be anything left, but somehow, some way. I know the temptation. Oh, if, instead of giving it to the church, if we gave it to meet the college bill and the, uh, uh, the other needs, uh, uh, instead of making a, a, a faith promise commitment to Lakeside's building pledge, instead of making a faith promise commitment to missions, oh man, uh, what could I do with... No! I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to allow that temptation to find a harbor in my mind. No, tithing and the giving of offerings is the pathway to blessing. It is! I cannot stress that enough. Start when you're young. I remember when I got my first dollar for a birthday. And then I went to church and I heard a missionary. 
In those days, the missionaries would stay at your house, the pastor's house. And I remember the tears going down my cheeks that night. And I said, I want to give you my birthday money. It's all that I have. Ten years old. God has never left me. He said, I will never leave you or forsake me. He's been so faithful. He's the God who blesses, the God who prospers. He, I pray that you're not tipping. I pray that you're tithing. You can experience the miraculous and see your mountain move by planting seed faithfully, giving tithes and offerings. Look at that card that I gave you. Do you have that little business card that, that was handed out to you? Lift it up so that I know that the ushers gave it to you. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. To the, okay. What's in the center of that card? What's in the center of that card? What? No! That's a, a mustard seed forest. That's a mustard seed forest. Let me tell you something. And I'm not funning with you. Let me tell you something. That little speck that you see in the center of that card, man, with all of his ingenuity, his technological, scientific prowess, cannot create that little speck in the laboratory. I don't care how much money, how much fancy razzle-dazzle equipment, and how many PhDs you cram into a room. Man cannot create that little speck. That's God's seed. God's seed is loaded with potential. When God looks at that speck on that business card, he sees a forest of mustard trees. I looked it up in my Bible dictionary. Mustard trees stand taller than a man. Mustard tree leaves are used to feed people in ancient times. In ancient Israel, the mustard seed was used for paste. It was used into, even to make dough. When God sees that little speck in the center of the card that you're holding this morning, He sees the potential to feed an entire city. Wow! What am I getting at? Look on the walls. Look at the banners. Look at Matthew 17, verse 20. Jesus said, If you have faith as a what? Mustard seed. I, I am sick and tired of preachers and teachers saying that Jesus was saying, If you have faith tiny as a mustard seed. That's not literally what Jesus said. Jesus said, as a mustard seed. His point, his focus, was not on the size of the mustard seed, but its potential. Jesus could have said, if you have faith as a grain of sand, I could have put a grain of sand on that little business card. But what's the difference between a grain of sand and a mustard seed? The grain of sand is dip. It's sterile. It's impotent. It's barren. But the seed is loaded with potential.
When you give the tithe, you're not only walking in obedience, you are walking in faith. When you give your vision fund offering, when you give your, your missions offering, you're walking in faith, real faith, because you're going beyond the tithe. You are planting seed in good soil, and that seed, it's God's seed that He has given to you. He's testing you to see what you'll do with His seed, and that seed is loaded with potential. To do things that are miraculous. That's why Jesus said that you have the right. <laughs> when you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can then say to your, your mountain of need, uh, you can say, move from here to there. And it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. Do you have an impossibility that you're dealing with? Don't eat your seed. Plant your seed. Your seed is not for eating. Don't polish your seed. Plant it. And watch what God will do as He brings the miraculous into your life and my life. And for your church. We've got a mountain that needs to be moved. Will you plant the seed? Will you speak to our mountain, our vision fund, our mountain, our phase four vision? Let's watch what God will do. Lastly this morning, Lastly this morning, real prosperity, God's blessing plan, is mastering your money. Mastering your money. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. God and money. 1940, Perry Hayden, Tecumseh, Michigan. One of the world's greatest experiments was conducted right in our state by Perry Hayden in 1940, who decided to take God at his word and test him. He took one itty-bitty cubic inch of wheat and planted it on a four-by-eight plot of ground. How many kernels of wheat are in one cubic inch? I counted them for you. No, I didn't. <laughs> 360 kernels. And this was the experiment. He would plant the wheat on the smallest, the world's smallest wheat field, four by eight. He would, and when does, when does a wheat farmer plant wheat? Very, I never knew that, Bob. I always thought springtime. I'm a city guy. Right, they plant, in Michigan they plant in the fall, in September, and then they reap when? Summer. In the summertime, that's when they reap. So he planted it in September of 1940. The plan was this, that when he would harvest it, he would take 10% and give it to the local church in Tecumseh and then take the, the remaining harvest and replant it. Four by eight, plot of ground. 
He would do this, by the way, for six years and then follow the Bible guideline the seventh year, the year of Sabbath rest and let the land rest. So it was a six-year experiment. First year, four by eight, plot of ground, and the first harvest yielded 55 times what was planted. Ultimately, the four by eight plot of ground became 230 acres. I could go year by year with you. Henry Ford, the Henry Ford, heard about the experiment. He donated all the equipment for the harvesting. Uh, in the third year, there had to be eight combines that uh, harvested all of it. The four by eight plot of ground ended up becoming 230 acres. The one cent, one cent in 1940, one, one cent worth of wheat ended up after six years tithing every year, ended up becoming $100,000 worth of wheat. The law of multiplication. The reason I put a seed on your business card that I gave you is to show you the law of multiplication with your tithe and with your offerings. Which plan are you following? God's blessing plan or the devil's poverty plan? You will either master your money or your money will master you. Who's in charge this morning? Greed, fear, neglect, or God. No man can serve two masters. One day, one day, my Bible says, the books will be opened. What will your checkbook reveal when it's opened? That you followed the devil's poverty plan? that will ultimately send you to hell? Or you followed God's blessing plan that will ultimately mean that Jesus Christ Himself will raise His hands above your head in blessing and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. This morning, as you look within your faith promise commitment brochure, I've given you the opportunity, if you're brand new with us, to get on board. Perhaps you've made Lakeside your church home since September. On September 28th, with the majority of this congregation, we gave them the opportunity to make a 12-month, a 12-month faith, faith promise commitment to the vision fund, the phase four vision of this church, where we desperately need expansion, as you saw in the video, to meet the ministry needs of our children, our youth, and our adults. And so many of you at that time, you made a faith promise commitment and you've been faithfully giving. And to you, I say thank you. And this morning, will you do something for us? Because this is going to be the annual Sunday, once a year, 
on this Sunday. I will not talk about this for the rest of the year. I will not have an emphasis like this for another 12 months. This gets us on the appropriate cycle. If you've already made a faith promise commitment to our vision fund, will you do it again? Would you just let us know that you're going to keep on keeping on, that we can count on you? Elders, deacons, pastors, lay people, would you let us know? We would so appreciate that. Well, pastor, it's between me and God. I don't do that kind of stuff. Well, you really shorthand us because we budget. We plan based upon the response of the congregation. It really hurts your church. Help us out. If you're brand new with us, and you haven't yet made a faith promise commitment, could you do so this morning? What could you do above the tithe? For the glory of God, spread over 12 months. Partner with us. Together, let's, let's see the vision become a reality. But mostly this morning, my main focus this morning is the tithe. Would you commit yourself to tithing as never before? Would you let us know? Again, if you're already a faithful tither, still mark it. Please, that, that we go by this so much for our planning. It would be such a blessing to us. Don't shorthand your life or your home if you're a non-tither. Tithe. Begin today and watch what God will do. Don Waggy is going to come right now. And as she sings this morning, we're going to have the ushers, very slowly ushers, because we want to give people time to fill out those cards. Very slowly take the offering this morning. And we're going to take the Lord's tithe and your offerings this morning. Let's pray right now as the ushers come and Don Waggy comes and ministers in closing to us in song. Take the Lord's tithe and your offering and your smartphone and place it in your hand. <laughs> and I want to speak blessing upon the tither I want to speak blessing upon the giver this morning and these ushers will walk very slowly ushers you all hear me we're gonna walk real slow unusually slow to give people a chance to fill out those cards this morning and, and folks if you need more time to fill out the card just lift up your hand and that usher will come back to you and pick up the card I'm not going to make any more out of this. We're going to just put it in the offering bag and then pray and let you go home this morning. Father, the name of Jesus, as we hold within our hand, the Lord's tithe and our offerings. Lord, and as we fill out, Lord, that commitment card. Lord, a commitment card to tithe. A commitment card to give over the next 12 months a, a faith promise Lord, to reconfirm, renew our faith promise. Or, Lord, to enlarge it. God, I speak blessing upon the faithful giver. Lord, I can preach until I'm blue in the face. But giving ultimately is a spiritual decision. Spirit of God, anoint hearts, even right now, to step out and be found faithful to you. In the name of Jesus, bless the faithful giver. Amen and amen. God bless you as you give this morning.